the Culture Guy podcast. With your host, Christian Hoover, also known as the Culture Guy. And with a guest from Mexico. Welcome back, everybody. This is Christian, the Culture Guy. This is the Culture Guy podcast. And I'm back today after a fairly long pause with a new guest coming from Mexico, to be exact, from Mexico City. And he's also a colleague and a friend, Salvador Rodriguez Gil Batista. And I recorded a conversation with him not too long ago, and I decided to publish it now because um, Salvador or Sal and I are going to be hosting a webinar on June 7th. So this is right around the corner. Mark your calendars, June 7th, and it's going to be done or going to be we're going to go live at 2 p.m. Central Time. That is 1400 Central Time or also 1 p.m. Eastern United States time or 12 p.m. Pacific time and the other time zones I'm going to let you figure out by yourself. Um, we will be talking about Mexico and the United States. Are they really two distant neighbors? Are those two North American heavy hitters, economic heavy hitters, really um, that distant from each other? Maybe they are, maybe they're not. We're going to be talking about cultural differences and commonalities in the workplace, especially as they relate to current political situations with immigration, border security questions um, flaring up, NAFTA being re, uh, renegotiated, um, all of these uncertainties don't change the fact that Mexico and the United States are still very, very important partners in business and cross-border business. And Salvador and I will be debriefing or dissecting how these two cultures um, work well together and what some of the obstacles are that we need to overcome in the workplace. So mark your calendars, June 7th. Um, there'll be a link on the show notes, so make sure to check that out. Register for that webinar. It is free to register. However, seating is limited. So we're um, nearing um, full capacity on that webinar. So as you listen to this, you may want to register now because once we're full, we're full. All right. So without further ado, let's talk to Salvador. All right. I'm here with Salvador Rodriguez Gil Batista. Did I say that name right, Salvador? Yes, you did. Uh, it's always a challenge for me. Um, buenas tardes, mi amigo. ¿Cómo estás? Muy buenas tardes. Guten Tag. That's the only German I can say. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm doing, I'm doing all right. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know Salvador yet, Salvador and I, we are colleagues in the cross-cultural, intercultural field, and I've been 
itching to have him be on this program for quite a while. So it's great to have you on today. Thanks for, for making time. Salvador and I have been training together in the past quite a bit. So we, we know each other well enough to drop a few things that you listeners may not understand. So I try to keep our friendship out of this conversation as much as I can for the benefit of the audience. Is that okay? Sounds so, correct. So Salvador, um, as you know, on this program, on the Culture Guy podcast, I talk to people who lived and worked overseas outside of their native countries. And you are originally from, tell, tell the people where you're from. Okay, thank you for having me, uh, Christian. And I'm from Mexico City, uh, Mexico. All right. Is that, is that where you grew up? Did you grow up in, in Ciudad de Mexico? Actually, yes, I did. Uh, but then I lived four years in Querétaro City, which is uh, the part of the center of the country, the center of the country, but it's uh, two and a half hours north from Mexico City. But, but that was only four years. So yeah, I was raised in Mexico City. Okay. And I know you lived in the United States. That's why your English is so impeccable. And you also lived in Spain. And this is a topic that I found really, really interesting because as most of you listeners probably know that um, Spain and most of South America shares a language. However, that doesn't mean that people behave and act the same way, right? So you came from Mexico and you lived in Spain. How, how was your experience of moving from one Spanish-speaking country into another? Well, yeah, actually, I, I lived in Madrid, which is, which is a beautiful city. And, and you're absolutely right. Not only we share the language, but I think that's the only one of the few things we share. Hmm. Um, but there are many things that are so, so different. I, I will always remember my first day arriving to Madrid. I'm in the Barajas Airport, which is the Barajas, the, the, the airport in Madrid. And I'm there, and, and the uh, immigration agent calls my name. So I just, you know, approach the, the booth. And he says something in Spanish. I didn't understand what he was saying. <laughs> you know, and wow. so I was like, oh my God, is he German or did I, you know, did I land in the wrong country? And uh, <laughs> I mean, that was like my, my first thought. Uh, because actually we made we made a stop in in Frankfurt, um, so then I said, "Excuse me, sir, could you say that again?" And then he repeated in a, in a slower, uh, slowly, and and maybe he changed also the words he used. And then I understood what he was saying, but I still don't know what he said because I don't I didn't understand him right. So I cannot tell you what he said, but maybe he wow. must have said the same thing, your name or something, or how long are you going to be here? And that's when I first thought that was like the first odd thing. How, then, how, how long did it take you um, living in Spain to get used to the different, not only accent and pronunciation, but also the, the vocabulary that they use? That's a very good question. It might have taken me maybe not that long because my great-grandfather, he was Spanish. So then all of the education in my mom's family was very Spanish, very influenced. A lot of the terms I still use in my Mexican Spanish are very Spanish. So I have to stop using them when I'm in a different social group. Mm. Um, but it must have taken me maybe a, a month, maybe a complete full month. And I remember I would say things, and this is something I noticed. There are some words that if you say, I mean, if Spanish use them, I'm going to say the word that, that translates to narrow. Narrow, you can say estrecho, which is the Spain in Spanish, let's say mm -hmm. Castellano. Mm -hmm. That's the distinction. You know, Castellano is the Spanish they speak, and, the, and Spanish is the, the, the language we all, uh, the rest of us speak. So right. in Castellano, you say estrecho, 
And we in Mexico, we understand what estrecho means. But in Mexico, we say angosto, which is a synonym. Mm -hmm. And I said angosto in Spain, and I, they, they just didn't know what I was talking about. Right. So for them, that synonym is not there in place. Um, and like that, there are many, many words, not only the accent, not only the way I was pronouncing them, uh, but the words that mean something totally different. Then again, something different also is words that may be an insult or may be misinterpreted as an insult. Mm -hmm. um, and something I didn't, I didn't experience it because I was used to my family, but this is something I hear constantly and I could tell Mexicans be, uh, feeling offended um, when, when, I mean, the typical um, complaint when Mexicans come back from Spain, they say, oh my God, Spanish, Spain is beautiful, but Spanish are so rude. They're so mm. aggressive because they speak very directly, mm -hmm. right? Um, in Mexico, for example, if you go into a bar and you want a beer, you would say the bartender, would you give me a beer? And actually you would say, would you, like uh, the word in Spanish is me regalas, which means would you give me for free? I mean, that would be the literal translation. Right. But of course, you don't want the bartender to give it for free. You're going to pay for it. But just the way you say it makes it sound indirect, right? Right. If you say that in Spain, they're going to say, I'm not going to give it to you. I'm going to sell it to you, right? Yeah, or so, they kick you out of the place. <laughs> exactly. Or they say, well, you don't have a duro or something. You know, duro is, is, is the, the colloquial term for, for, um, for a Spanish coin. For coin, yeah. <laughs> exactly, duro. Actually, duro was for the peseta, the, the coins before the currency before the euro. So, um, so then in Spain, you have to say, you don't even use please. In Mexico, I think that's one of the uh, main differences. We use please and thank you a lot. Sometimes some people to a fault. Sometimes it's just too much, right? Mm -hmm. But in Spain, you don't even say, good afternoon, I would like a beer, please. Mm -hmm. but I, that You would that in the US. I mean, if I go into a bar in the US, I would say, you know, the people are very polite. Hello, good morning, how are you? Good afternoon, whatever. Right. Uh, I, I would like to have a beer. Yes, here it is, right? In Spain, you only say a beer, like that. A that's beer. It. Just put it on, yeah, they just put it on the bar, and then you pay for it, and that's it. They don't even say thank you, please, nothing. So no, no time wasted with pleasantries, a lot more direct <laughs> communication. Exactly. I think that's one of the main differences. Um, and, well, yeah, I think that would be the, the, the biggest difference. How old were you when you first came to Spain? I was 38. Okay, so you were a full-grown adult. Yep. So yep. Um, yep. Did, did that strike you as odd? Or, or how did you, what did you make that mean when you first arrived and, and realized not only do they speak my, our shared language differently, mm -hmm. but also their behavior is different from what I am familiar with? How did, what did you make that mean for yourself at that time? Um, I, I, you know, it, was, it was part of my, my adapting process, part of the shock. I was trying to understand, and I mean, I knew that was the way it was. I had already taken the train the trainer program to become a cross-cultural training mm -hmm. trainer. So, so I, I knew what I was going through, but it was one thing is to know you're going to go through, and, and something totally different is to actually leave through the process. Right. So I was trying to reason it. I was trying to understand it. Um, but, at, but at the same time, I was feeling it. Um, mm -hmm. So even though I felt offended, I tried to tell myself, look, they're not offending you. It's not against you. This is not you because you're Mexican. This is not you because you speak different. This is just because the way they are. But believe me, it, it really takes time to understand this. Uh, because at first you you feel attacked. I mean, why am I not gonna be able to say thank you and please just because these guys don't use it? You know, right, right. It um, it, it it goes against your 
your learned exactly. behavior that is, is so deeply ingrained in, in your being. Exactly. And yeah, I mean, I've, I've had me, that. it's automatic to say it, you know? Right, right. And I've had this experience or the, the same story, a similar story I've heard from many Latinos um, mm -hmm. who have interactions with Spaniards that they sometimes feel, and, and you said it earlier, um, they, they don't speak to me like this because I'm Mexican, but a lot of Latinos apparently feel inferior to mm -hmm. Spaniards because it, it, to them it sounds like the Spaniards are talking down to them in a kind exactly. of condescending way. Now, yeah. you, you lived in Spain long enough um, to, to know that they're, it's not conden, they're not condescending. They're, that's just a different set of behaviors, correct? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I was there three years. Um, and, 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 and the process, it does take about a year. And after that, you're, you're in. Something also that I remember perfectly well that, that it was part of my adapting process. I arrived to Spain in September and my birthday is in October. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my first uh, walk-arounds to get to know the city very close from where I was working, there was this beautiful bar, Mexican bar, owned by Mexicans called La Malquerida, which means or translates as the wrongly loved, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then there's a song, there's a song about a woman who was wrongly loved, and that's why it's called La Malquerida, right? So I, I, I saw these and I said, ah, that's a Mexican bar. So I, I, got, I got into the bar. There was this big sign that had a, a, a saying that only Mexicans would understand. I said, okay, this is it. So I got in and I asked the guys if I could celebrate my birthday, if I could invite my, my, my work colleagues. Right. And they said, oh, yeah, definitely. If you show us your, your ID, your Mexican ID, then we give you a discount. Yeah, for sure, no problem. So I booked the, the bar for about 10 or 15 people. And because that year, my birthday, I don't remember if it was a Friday or Saturday. I think it was a Friday. I mean, I, I w I'm sure that the next day we didn't work. So I think it was a Friday. So I went and invited everybody in Berlitz. I mean, at least, at least the people that was, you know, not everybody because it was, it's a big company. But, but, you know, the other language center directors and I invited my boss. And I invited a lot of the people I work with. I was used to, I was working for Berlitz back then. Mm -hmm. And everybody said, yeah, we'll see you there Friday, 8 o'clock or the hour I had said. Nobody showed up. <laughs> Nobody. So, so you know, I was like the you know, like the finger. I was the no friends. You know, I was missing my son. I was missing the girlfriend I had back then. The only person I was not missing was my ex-wife. <laughs> but you know, I was missing everybody, and then nobody was there. So I felt miserable. You know, the next year I did the same thing. Everybody was there. We had a great time. I celebrated my 40th birthday, and it was just awesome. So, so why, why did they not show up? What was the reason? They just didn't know me. So they thought I was just being polite and they were just being polite. And mm -hmm. they thought there was no need for them to be there because they thought I was going to be with other Mexican friends. I don't know where they came oh, up with that okay. idea from, but they were trying, what, what some of them explained to me, not all of them, but what some of them explained to me that they were trying not to, to, to interfere with my celebration or, you know, they, 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 they wanted, they didn't want to be intruders. So they, they, they felt they didn't know you well enough to, uh -huh. to come to a birthday party where uh -huh. if you did that in Mexico, um, everybody would show up, correct? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And not only, not only if I did that in Mexico, if you and I, uh, if you were in Mexico right now and we were recording this, this, this uh, podcast and, and I had a party afterwards, I could invite you and you would say yes. And I would just drop into the party with you, my, you know, my colleague, my friend, and, and without even telling the, 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 the person who invited me to the party, and nobody's gonna shock. I mean, everybody's gonna even welcome you. Oh yeah, welcome Christian. So, uh, you know, and, and talk to you without 
any notice. You don't do that in Spain or in the U.S. Yeah. Because I, I would be I would be introduced or I would be validated by extension of you. If you uh -huh. say Christian, that guy is okay, then everybody else will say, uh -huh. okay, you're welcome. Exactly. Whereas exactly. in Spain, that would be breaking a rule or at least going against um, what's familiar behavior. They would think, who is that person? That person exactly. is not invited. How dare you bring somebody with you that exactly. we don't even exactly. know? Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and we don't, I mean, there's not so much familiarity between you and me. Why do you dare inviting someone we don't right. even know? Right. right. You said something earlier that I want to uh, circle back to. You said that you, your great grandfather was from Spain and some of the mm -hmm. language that you use is still heavily Spanish influenced. And yeah. it depends on the social circles you're moving around in which type of language inclination you're using. So is that a status thing in the Spanish speaking world? If you speak more European Spanish, would that be considered? Um, well, how, how would Mexicans of a certain social uh, stratosphere, uh, uh, how would they interpret that if you spoke with a more Spanish inclination? They might, very good question. I had never thought of this. Uh, now that you were asking, I, I began thinking. They might think that you're arrogant, mm -hmm. that, that you're trying to look down on them, that, mm -hmm. ah, yes, yes, you, you, Spanish, whatever, you know. And, and sometimes it happens to me, even though I only lived, and I say only, you know, because I know that people, there are people who lived many, many years in, in a different country. So even though I only lived three years, but I still have some words that, that just come out, out of, very Spanish, that just come out automatically, you know. Right. I remember I was at a, at a um, and, 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 and I used always my, my significant other, Norma, she, She's uh, from a very different social group than I am, so I always have to 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 change my Spanish, my Castellano, and not to use it in her social group because then I'm gonna be I'm I'm just mocked at right all the time. Yeah, but you uh, you won't be able to make a connection. You you won't exactly. be building rapport, right? Exactly, exactly. So I, I remember once uh, there's there's a word that uh, in Mexico when you're teasing someone you say ni de broma, right? Broma, broma means uh, like a joke or tease, right? Mm -hmm. In Spain, they say coña, right? Mm -hmm. So they, they were saying something and they asked me something and I just automatically said ni de coña instead of saying ni de broma, right? Mm -hmm. And they immediately say, oh, here comes a Spanish guy again, you know? <laughs> okay, so that, that, is, that is not here. that is not helping you then in that case. Exactly, exactly. So, so um, you know, fortunately, I think I have it pretty much under control. But sometimes they just Spanish terms or Spanish intonation or, or just comes out naturally. Now, right. the way I speak, even before I lived in Spain, is very direct. It's very common that people tell me, are you angry? Are you upset? Why mm -hmm. are you so direct? And, and that is the thing that I find most difficult in myself to adapt. I can adapt other things. My speaking, the way I speak is, is very complicated for me. I mean... Sometimes I notice when, especially when immediately when the Mexican makes a face of discomfort, I already right. know, oh, I was, I was very direct. And, and it, it's difficult, sorry for the interruption, it's difficult no. because in Monterrey, in the north of the country where my great-grandfather arrived in, in, when he arrived from Spain, they speak the same way. Ah. So it's not only the Spanish, but the Mexican northern part of the country that speak very directly. So I have yeah. it on both sides, right? <laughs> so El Norte is more um, direct communicator. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. And Central and southern Mexico, more, more indirect. Now, yeah. um, how much time did you spend in the United States? 
in the US, that, that's very interesting because in the US, I, um, when I was a kid, I used to go back and forth every summer to, mm -hmm. to visit my, my cousins. And then I worked for Alston Staffing and I was for two years. And I was in the US a week a month, every month. So let's say adding it up, it was about a year. Um, but, but it was on and off. I mean, it was not like, 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 like a complete um, long period living in the US. So, so your direct communication may also have to do uh -huh. with your extended exposure to US communication style. Yes, definitely, yeah. definitely. So, so I have it, like I have three sources where my direct communication comes in and, and I do find it very hard to, especially when, when, when I'm not being aware of, um, of my speech, I just say it my way and comes out very direct. Right. And when I notice that either my significant other or somebody else reacts uncomfortably, then I know I was too direct. But the funny thing is that, I mean, when I use it with my son, it's okay, no problem. When I use it with my social group, everybody speaks the same way I speak. So I'm, I'm all the time between my social group and Norma's social group, you know? And, right. and, and that's, 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 that's uh, an interesting challenge. And we're all Mexican, but it's just the background. And she, all the time she teases me. She says, ah, yeah, you're some kind of a different Mexican. And, and, and I am, I mean, different to her group, you know? <laughs> <laughs> now, having lived several years abroad and then mm -hmm. coming back to Mexico, I know the two of us, we've had this conversation before, but just for our audience, I, I know that you sometimes in the Mexican context of everyday life feel like a foreigner. Um, oh, yes. So how, and a lot of, lot of people who listen to this may be on their first expatriate assignment and they haven't come back yet to their native culture. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what was harder for you, the going away part or the coming home part? Ah, what a good question. Possibly both. But if you want just like a single answer, the coming back. Because, I mean, I love my country. I love these, these chaotic country. I always define Mexico as a country where anything that might happen will happen. It's very surrealistic country. Mm -hmm. And precisely, I, I mean, Spain is nothing close to what I know about Germany that is a lot more structured and, and, and organized and, and, and well-defined. But it's a lot more than Mexico, definitely. Mm -hmm. So once you get used to that, once you get used to, for example, the public transportation, you know that the subway arrives on time, the bus arrives on time, the, the, the train, the, the short range train arrives, arrives on time, and then you're, you're at ease with that. You don't even need a car in Madrid. I mean, right. honestly, you don't need it. You can go come out of a bar at three o'clock in the morning and there's a bus that's gonna take you home. You don't need to, to, to spend on uh, expensive taxis. And that was something I, I, I was really shocked when I came back to Mexico. Uh, a certain time of night, no more public transportation, only taxis. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and then I also miss, for example, parks in Madrid. You can go to any park. I even fell asleep on the grass there in Retiro Park and nobody hap nothing happened to me. I mean, you know, here I wouldn't dare do that. Not even, I mean, <laughs> not even for a million dollars, right? Sleeping mm -hmm. in a park is calling for suicide, not only, not only being robbed, but being maybe killed. Oh, wow. um, yeah, I mean, nobody thinks, actually, for example, something that's changing is we don't have now, people are not building parks, they're building shopping centers with parks built in inside you know which is very sad to me to see this. so you're not you're not outside you're inside in a protected or somewhat <laughs> protected exactly. area exactly exactly so so, uh, li so living in your own or your own country became different to you because of the yep. experience you had abroad oh yes and, and 
I think that is something that the two of us share because, well, I don't know about your motivation, but if, if we have a, a resume like yours or mine, um, at some point there's a desire to let others who are about to go on that same journey, let them know what to expect. I think part, oh, yes. part, part of what we do is to help others um, maybe avoid some of the mistakes that we made or become aware of the potential mm -hmm. mistakes that they will make and, and how, to, how to interpret, how to decipher yeah. what's happening to them. And, 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 and not only that, but with, with telling them that allows them to suffer a lot less. You know, I always do the, 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 the metaphor or the, analog, the analogy as, as if you're going to a doctor and the doctor is going to put you an injection. You know, if he tells you he's going to inject you, you know how it feels. You've been injected before. So then you get ready. And when, when he injects you or she, then you say, ah, oh, that was not that bad because right. you, already, you were prepared. I always say that the surprise factor hurts a lot more than, than, than it actually hurts the blow, the, the culture shock. Not knowing that's going to happen, thinking that everything's going to be the same, that's what really shocks, you know? I like and, that. I, I, will, I will shamelessly steal that. Is that okay? Yeah, go ahead. Please Sorry. go ahead, you know? Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there are some things that are so automatic. Um, cousin, two cousins of mine went to Spain to visit. You know, when I was there, they, they, they went on vacation and they decided to visit me. And then at the end, uh, when they were about to come back to Mexico, I told them, so how did you like Spain? And they say, oh, very nice, beautiful. Uh, you know, everything is really nice. And one of them said, yeah, but you know, the only thing is that you don't eat like, you don't eat like in Mexico. And I was like, of course, you're not in Mexico. You're not going to eat right. like in right. Mexico, right? Mm -hmm. But these things are so automatic that you don't even notice when you're traveling on vacation or you're traveling on business. Um, so I, I, I definitely think we share the same passion, helping yeah. people to to overcome this in a better way, in an easier way. Um, yesterday, I had a very nice uh, experience that resembles something my son told me once. He said, Dad, have you noticed that what you do changes lives? Mm. And I think that was really nice what he said. And, 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 I, and I do. You know, I think we do, both of us, Christian and, and cross-cultural trainers. Yesterday, I was training a couple of Argentinians, very similar to us. And they both told me at the end, you know, we were very hesitant if we needed the training, we have lived in Monterrey for a year and, and you're, we are Argentinians, but believe me, you changed our perspective. So nice. I think that's very valuable. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's very, very valuable. So final thoughts, because we're coming to the end of our, our episode here. Final thoughts for people who are going outside of their comfort zone of their native culture for the first time. What, what's the best mindset for success in your opinion? The first, uh, I think would be have an open mind. Uh, lose yourself, experiment, try to see everything as an adventure. Do not take things personally. Don't, 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 don't feel offended because sometimes not only Mexicans against or compared to Spaniards. I mean, when you're outside your comfort zone, you think you're attacked by everything, you know, maybe even by the air around you because mm -hmm. you're out of your comfort zone. Right. Um, but once you're brave enough, once, once you take the step, once you stop saying what if and, and, and you go to, to, to this uh, adventure and experience, it's going to broaden your horizons as a person tremendously. I mean, you will never be the same, but definitely you need an open mind. If you're going to be critic criticizing everything and attacking everything and judging everything, you are the only one who's going to suffer because people are going to say, well, yeah, he's a foreigner, you know, <laughs> I mean, because you don't do anything to, to, to integrate. 
So um, even though it's hard, but it's a great, great experience. I, I, I really think living abroad is one of the best things a person can do. Nice. Excellent. I could have, couldn't have said it better. Those were really smart words. Um, Salvador, muchas gracias. Um, on, the, really, on the country. Yes, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> I really appreciate you taking time for this. Uh, I know I'll see you again soon in one of our next trainings coming up. And um, how do people get in touch with you, um, our listeners, if they want to know more about Salvador? What's mm -hmm. the way? LinkedIn, Twitter, yeah. Facebook, uh, email? Could, could be could be any of those. I have um, email address. I have LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, and Facebook. So uh, we'll we'll yeah. post that in the show notes. So check the show notes on the website, people. That's where you find the links to all of Salvador's socials and his his um, digital details. Mm -hmm. And again, muchas gracias. I hope you have un Thank buen, you. Thank you very much. Fin de semana. And, you too. Um, and now I'm ashamed because you know a lot more Spanish than I know German. <laughs> oh, well, I, I only pretend. Ask my, <laughs> ask my children. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. Thank you very much for the opportunity. And uh, I really hope our conversation helps other people when, when they're being expats. Much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you. Bye now. Salvador. Salvador Rodríguez Gil Batista I really like that story with the doctor and the needle so if you're being injected if you're gonna be pinched by the needle if you know that it will impact you that there's gonna be a pinch um, it will hurt a little less if you know that it's coming yep that's what we do We're not doctors, but we still affect lives. So as you study Spanish, and I know some of you are studying Spanish or have been or are practicing Spanish as a second language, keep in mind it's not the universal language that it's sometimes made out to be. Just as it is with English, I had my share of experience with that. So, the webinar with Salvador and myself will be on June 7th, 2018. June 7th, and it will be at 2 p.m. Central Time. That is Central Time, United States. That's also... Mexico time, Mexico City time. And we will be talking about the cultural differences and commonalities between the United States and Mexico. If you are interested in that, and I hope some of you are, make sure to register. The link for the registration is in the show notes to this webinar. Unless you register, you won't be let in the room. It is free to do so, and we only have limited availability left. So you want to do that now. And if you want to reach out or contact Salvador, make sure also to check the show notes where we'll have his Twitter, his LinkedIn, the whole social media shebang, and... Um, 
Well, I might even post his email there. The name of the company is Gea Cultura. And we're really friendly with them here at the Culture Mastery. With that, the Culture Guy is out for this episode. Talk to you soon in the near future. Hasta luego. Und auf Wiedersehen. Actually, auf Wiederhören would be more precise. Now I just don't know how to say that in Spanish. Hmm. I guess I'll ask Salvador. Salvador.